But I really want brands to see that bike shops aren't just a place to service your products. They're not just kind of a local representative for you. I mean, their online stores are a growth opportunity. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I am absolutely thrilled today to reintroduce Ryan Atkinson to you today. He is the president and co-owner of Smart Etailing. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me back, Kristen. Oh, it's awesome to have you back, and it's such a pivotal time of year. You are here to talk with our audience about the importance of November and December in the calendar year. Here we are mid-October, pretty much smack in the middle of October as we're recording this 2019. And you have just completed a webinar to the National Bicycle Dealers Association, NBDA, and I'll have the link to that in the show notes, everybody. But can you please maybe uh, give a quick assessment of your background, and then we'll go into the importance of November and December and some of the intel that you've been fielding and researching for your customers. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so uh, I'm you know, a bike nerd and a bike retail nerd. So started in bike shops in 95 or 94, mechanic, uh, worked my way up through store management. And then I spent some time at Trek Bicycles, both in sales and then in marketing. I left there in 2006 and started my own marketing company. So started Harvest Retail Marketing. And we did marketing just for independent bike shops and transitioned that into a co-ownership position at Smart Detailing, where we took that kind of marketing know-how and added it into a technology solution. So now we can do more marketing at scale. Which I think is very much in need. So when did you join Smart Detail? So 2016, the merger was finalized. So it's, yeah, we're going, yeah, three and a half years now. And I bet you've really seen a big change in how your customer base is interfacing with the product that you make. And then also just the interfacing you're having with brands. Can you talk a little bit about kind of where we are year to date with kind of how both those stakeholders are? Yeah, it's I, I, we're seeing a lot of like um, progression in the thinking amongst retailers and brands. Um, and it's been kind of a different journey for each. So for retailers, you know, just for so long, e-commerce was the bad guy. And now e-commerce has just become a way that consumers shop. You know, they the consumer just doesn't see a line between physical retail and online retailer. Retail, it's just like, how do they want to look at products? How do they want to buy? And more retailers are starting to really see that. And with the rise of click and collect in particular, you know, retailers selling online for in-store pickup, 
it's really made the process of selling online more accessible because the customer still walks in the door. And so that fear of fraud and fear of shipping product um, has really changed the way uh, you know, real retailers think. And so we've seen a much better engagement with, with retailers in the bike space. And then with brands, you know, there's, you know, many brands have kind of jumped into direct consumer and they see now kind of the challenges of marketing and logistics and that it's, there's not just free money on the internet. Like there's a lot of work that goes into building this stuff. And so now they're starting to realize that like, well, using this interconnected network of bike shops, um, we don't, you know, nobody really knows exactly how to do it, but how do we market effectively through those doors? How do we merchandise our product through those doors? Um, even if the growth numbers, you know, in terms of dollars are small by any one individual retailer, if we look at them on the whole, the IBD channel online is really turning some meaningful dollars. So how do we nurture that? What do we want to measure? It's been an exciting time. I bet. And we are here today to, I think, level the playing field, which I love. And your focus is on specialty, which makes you such a great guest for the Channel Mastery podcast. But we want to talk about just the absolute, like, critical nature of November and December to the specialty business. And obviously we're talking about bike, but I feel like what we're about to talk about will definitely be something that other industries and specialty are going to be interested in listening to, such as outdoor consumer electronics, like just a lot of them out there. So I'm excited to have you offer kind of a cross-training opportunity here, as well as a very focused insight training, if you will, for bicycle. Um, So let's drop in on that. Um, One of the things that you said in our rehearsal call that I love is, as we're just talking about retailers and brands and specialty, you said to me, brand building is fun. Driving traffic at retail is hard and intimidating. And that is so true. And I think that's sort of the the 800-pound pink elephant in our living room, isn't it? So I'm really curious if we can kind of talk about driving traffic at retail in November and December? Because I think that's really the crux of the matter as we're going into the last two months of the year and we're looking to make our year. Yeah, agreed. And whether you're a brand trying to decide, you know, how do I influence sales and, and foot traffic at retail or you're an individual retailer just figuring out how do you finish your year strong, November, December is what you got. You know, I mean, you know, certain parts of the country you know, Phoenix or Florida or San Diego, either business is steady or it's really kind of picking up this time of year. But for most parts of the country, the holiday season is, you know, the weather's cold, your organic foot traffic is down, but you've got people buying stuff. And so what do you do about it? And one of the things I like to do with with retailers and brands is really point to the numbers because if you're just talking about this concept of especially retailers can see growth, it's really easy for people to say, well, yeah, consumers are buying a lot, but we can't compete with Best Buy or we can't compete with Amazon. So let's not do anything about it. But when we look at the numbers on our application um, for, la- for last year, you know, traffic numbers from October through February are relatively flat. But then we see when we look at sales, we see this crazy jump in November and December in sales dollars. And so there's a 61% increase in conversion rate for website visitors in November and December on bike shop websites. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. But as a marketer, Kristen, you know, this is like, it's a measure of intent. Customers are coming in ready to buy. They're not just kicking tires. And so if you know that customers are coming to the websites with intent, what are you going to do to either A, get more people to your website or 
be increase that conversion rate even more by intentionally merchandising your website. And, and that's really what we talked about on that MBDA webinar, which I, or, or uh, yeah, which I, I certainly hope that the retailers in particular listen to, but brands too, like get a sense of what tactically, what are your retailers doing to grow their business and how can you help? we are going to get into that because that's one of the places that we've seen a lot, uh, you know, on the brand communication side, we've seen a lot of lift happening with intentional channel cross promotion between retailers and brands or even events and brands. So we'll definitely get into that, but um, let's, I mean, that's, that's an amazing statistic, 61%. I think a lot of the retailers out there, as you said, have a little bit of a, like, how could I even try? There's such a digital divide, right? I hear that often. And I think that what you're trying to say is you need to show up, (laughs) whatever that looks like for you. And you give such actionable, like literally this webinar, everybody, you give such non-intimidating, actionable advice and you break it down to three channels, I believe, search, email, and social. Should we like drop in and maybe talk about some of the key trends in each of those channels? Because I do think that they combine you know, the retailers and the brands. And I think that these are very, very applicable to every listener. Yeah, I'll just kind of, you know, give a, a top level. And so your work at Verde and as a, as a marketer, you know that like this this concept of content marketing, how it works, mm-hmm. but it, it, you know, a lot of retailers don't, don't think about marketing that way, but it basically says, you know, create this pillar content on your website that is really valuable and informs customers and converts them and then drive traffic. And then you drive traffic with email search and social. And um, all the tools are super accessible to retailers. I mean, you've got an email list, you've got um, a really affordable email program that you use. And if you don't hold yourself to the same standard that REI does in terms of like production quality on their emails, and you just get the message out, like talk to people through your email, you can drive really qualified traffic to your website and search it, it like the, the the concept of SEO and winning organic search can be really intimidating, but the basic you know first steps you know you, you're gonna they, they say like small hinges swing big doors. Doing a few small things can get you eighty percent of the results you would get you know compared to like a top level search engine marketing expert. The one thing I tried to stress uh, in that on that webinar was like uh, Google My Business. If you as a business owner don't have the Google My Business app on your phone and you're not maintaining your hours and uploading photos and responding to reviews, you're making a mistake. Like, like especially at the holidays, make sure you're front and center with accurate information. And then on social, keep the conversation going, use pictures and videos, link back to your website. And that's the part that I see most people forgetting is they talk about this you know, awesome new thing that's arrived, but then they don't give the customer anything. Like once you've built some some interest, like, oh, that bike looks really cool. But what do you do about it? Well, link back to your website, like let them engage with the product. You might be surprised what results you get. And you actually have the opportunity to look at, obviously, a a nice swath of website traffic and pull trends from that, from your your customer base, which is independent bicycle dealers. Obviously, you also work with brands, the smart brands, right? (laughs) I'm going to say it for you. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. We try to make it really easy for brands. So so brands that like to to have the easy button, yeah, I think we're a good partner. 
Good. And you also, I think, do a good job translating and, and advocating for the IBD to the brands. So talk about some of that traffic, that the trends that you're seeing in site traffic and specifically to retail shop website traffic. Yeah. And, and yeah, so for the brand marketers and, you know, and, and the sales managers and sales reps at bike industry brands, just know that your IBD customers are seeing the same gains in online retail that you're seeing in the headlines from big general marketplace uh, retailers like Mark, uh, like Target or Walmart or Home Depot. So, so on our system, uh, retailer traffic um, is up uh, just shy of 10%, but sales is up over, you know, 20%. And so consumers in, 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 uh, in local markets are choosing to go to the bike shop website and they're choosing to buy at a higher rate and they're buying aftermarket, they're buying bikes. The beauty of our system is, is that we make it really safe for brands to participate there because we have you know, we're able to restrict, can a bike be shipped or not? You know, we have map protection to make sure that retailers don't, don't sell outside a map. But the thing I'm most excited about is, is where these, these orders are being fulfilled and that's in the store. So like we're, we're up to about 42% of orders are, are, are placed online for in-store pickup. And that, that so far this year, that's peaked out in August at just shy of 46%. And in December, we're expecting it to go north of 50%. So just to make sure that's clear, that is that is a consumer went to a bike shop's website, bought a product online, and pick it up, picked it up in the store. And so that is huge. That gives a bike shop a chance to get a face-to-face contact with a customer who's already bought from them and talk to them about, you know, whether their bike needs repair over the winter, get, you know, suggestions sell to them. But I really want brands to see that bike shops aren't just a place to service your products. They're not just kind of a local representative for you. I mean, their online stores are a growth opportunity. So up to 50% in December is your estimation for uh, buy online pickup in store for this specialty, you know, industry, if you will, this market of bike. That's pretty insane. Um, What was it last year in December? And then let's talk about how the consumer is evolving from kind of being trained by larger retailers. So last year in December, I believe it was like 38% of orders. Yeah, so I've got the numbers in front of me. So yeah, 38.6% of orders were picked up uh, in the store. And so that you know, we see that kind of 10% plus jump happening this year. And obviously, all of us are consumers outside of our day jobs and specialty, right? <laughs> we are seeing these, you know, parking places in front of Walmart and pretty much a lot of places that are, you know, designed specifically for picking up. Grocery is, I think, year over year, um, last year to this year, grocery has really created, I think, more consumer preference training, if you will, from large, large retail entities training our consumer looking to have a more convenient, friction-free experience where they buy online and pick up in store. But let's not forget that we are not selling tomatoes and paper towels here. We are selling like either the best gift in the world for the person in your family that you love, or you're buying something awesome for yourself in your area of passion, right? So what Let's talk about the opportunity to potentially get a brand new customer who is doing click and collect and picking up in a, in a retail shop to be a lifetime customer there and also a brand fan of the brand that's being purchased. 
Yeah. So if you kind of take things and add them up, you know, you, you know that in November, December, you've got uh, customers with a high intent to buy. You've got uh, consumers who are being trained to be able to order online and then just kind of put together a really efficient shopping trip to go around and pick up all the things that they want. The advantage goes back to specialty retailers in the sense that you know they've got inventory sitting on their floor, they've got access to all this premier product. And so if you use just some of those basic techniques we talked about earlier, you know, especially with new customers, search and social are going to be your, your biggest opportunity. But just, you know, promote the fact that, you know, you've got huge selection, buy online, free in-store pickup, shop online 24-7. There's just some really simple messages that you can get out there to make sure that customers know because what customers haven't been retrained for yet is that that bike shops aren't just that kind of weird little place that smells like tires. You know, but, you know, but... <laughs> That's awesome. Like you talk to most people about a bike shop, it's a very intimidating experience. Yeah. But bike shops are this, this, this awesome place with all this technology and access to great stuff. So promote it. And in marketing, it's not like sales. I think so much of this industry is like people came up through the sales channel and you measure sales face-to-face. You shake a hand, do you close the sale or don't you close the sale? But in marketing, it's like you put stuff out there and you get a conversion rate of like one to 5%. And if you come up through sales, you think, well, like, why do I even try? But, but in marketing, like a you know, 2% conversion rate is freaking awesome. So get that message out there and you're going to pick up some incremental business that you wouldn't have had if you did nothing. Absolutely. And I think that's what it's all about is getting new people to come into your store and, and getting them to be lifetime advocates. Now, really quickly, I would like to talk about the fact that women hold 80 plus percent buying power and they they are often tasked with either doing a lot of the errands or shopping, if you will, around holiday, even still. And it might be because they like it. I mean, I obviously like in my own life, like (laughs) there's probably a little bit of controlling, you know, facet of me there. But point being is let's also talk about the person picking up the product and the experience you're going to give them because it, it oh, can be, yeah. you, don't you think that's a really important thing to, to talk about here? It's absolutely huge. And, and, you know, going back to your previous question around like, what does this mean for nurturing lifetime value? You've got like a, just a moment when somebody walks through the door to delight somebody or put them off and people make that judgment so fast. So, you know, the same rules apply, you know, greet somebody, you know, within 10 feet or 10 seconds of when they walk in the door um, and ask them how you can help them out today. Um, and then if they're coming in to pick up an online order, make sure your staff is trained. Nobody wants to run into a confused salesperson who then needs to go and interrupt a manager who's talking to another customer. Make sure you know, just, just have a consistent process in your store where, you know, when online orders come in, how do you communicate to the customer to let them know it's ready? Where do you put things? How do you want your sales team to greet the customer um, do you want them to go ahead and just kind of hang out while you run and grab their order for them? Do you want them to go back to a particular counter? Just have a process and make it really predictable and be super friendly and ask, is there anything else I can help you with today? And if the customer just wants their thing and wants to run out, maybe they left their car running. Don't judge them for that. Don't joke about them after they leave. Because remember, you've got other customers in the store. <laughs> they're they're watching you. Yeah. Everybody who buys from you is precious and and how you treat them makes a difference on whether they're going to come back or not. Oh, isn't that the truth? Because they have so much choice today. And you know what? More and more, 
I know that people are seeing the benefit of humans over algorithms. Like algorithms might make what we do on the front side, on the research side, easier and more convenient. We can do it any time of day or night. But honestly, like in our worlds of specialty, they want to go in and get that experience with another human who could help them make their, you know, validate their decision, be excited with them about it, help them like understand like, yes, I'm a great resource for you. When it's spring comes, I can tell you where to go ride this bike. I can service this e-bike for you. You know, like all these different things that the, that I think you said it on your webinar, like that you might think is just obvious, but you actually have to tell consumers. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And you're right. Like, like uh, just having a package show up at your door has this like, this momentary hit of endorphins of like, oh, I got this new thing. Or maybe, you know, if it's a bike part, I put it on my bike. And then you step back and it's over. But if you, (laughs) if you walk into a store and you get that validation you talked about, like, oh, you're going to love this light. Like I've got this myself, you know, um, um, you know, if you like this, can I show you this other thing or where are you going to ride this at? Like, and really engage with somebody that creates more the, the the positive feels in the customer that, you know, just Amazon's never going to be able to replicate that. Nope. And that is our, that's our nurture sequence, that human to human nurture sequence. Like we talk a lot about that in, in email marketing and even in, you know, different channel marketing that we do. And I know you covered it also in your, in your uh, webinar, but our nurture sequence is human to human. It's, you know, we're talking about a, a shared passion and they are feeling part of a community when you're able to do that. This might seem captain obvious, but I think the first thing we see is the retailer like kind of like thinks about Best Buy, thinks about holiday, the last few months of the year, then you kind of see them leave their body. And <laughs> they're like, You're I totally can't do right. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and what we're trying to do is almost like set a challenge. Take some steps to, to do some engagement, train your staff. And by the way, I actually have a resource that we created for, I think it was the Outdoor Retailer and SIA Industry Intelligence Day in 2018. So it's a year old. I'm going to update that and put it in the show notes as a free resource that is literally how to make an experience at specialty for a customer picking up a product. I'd love that. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to read it and and share it with with our customers. And completely free. You don't have to put in an email or anything. I'm just going to put it up there because honestly, I think if there's a one-page summary you can bring into your shop to set this up, it's going to get people excited about it. You know, your staff should be excited about it. And I feel like that is just such a huge, huge opportunity. We Again, let's talk about the digital divide. Yes, there's a digital divide, but what they don't have that we do is that sense of community, that welcoming, come in and be part of us. And, oh, I can't wait for you to get out and try this. And yes, it's important to stay, like remind people where the retailer for you through your social media, through your email marketing and through your search, frankly, like getting in front of them. So like, gosh, I just see them everywhere. It's creating trust, but ultimately the experience is when they come in. And I'm so happy to hear that you're estimating 50% for click and collect in this December. It's where like kind of our worlds come together. Cause like you're, you know, you're very focused on the experience, whether it's a, a, a brand building it, building it in partnership with retailers, retailers building it. And I value each of those things, but my neural little sliver of, of, of how can I help is to drive traffic and create sales. And by doing that, we create, you know, a certain amount of, um, you know, sales gives retailers the opportunity to fund that experience and to kind of keep that, that experience sustainable over time. And there's a real interplay here. And I think if, if, a, if, if either a brand marketer or a retailer just says, well, you know, 
the experience is all that matters and they're not doing anything to grow to the sales, then it's then those retailers just aren't going to be there in five years. And so we really need to kind of keep, you know, even though it's complicated and, and this, you know, we, we need to be able to focus, you know, walk and chew gum, I guess, you know, be, you know, let's get people in the door and then hit the ball out of the park. One of the other things I want to talk about, and we, uh, I'm, uh, as we look to kind of wrap up here, is you did mention also that median retailers are growing faster than large retailers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's honestly that's my favorite thing. Well, I don't know. I click and clacks might be my favorite, but I, I love this because, <laughs> like, if historically, if you chart out retailer sales on our application, it's like a like by by sales annually it's like a hockey stick graph. There's like top 20% of retailers are just doing this massive amount of business and the average median retailer, you know, are, you know, just really aren't. And um, they were getting an in-store benefit of customers coming in and saying, Hey, I saw you have this thing, but they weren't selling it online. Well, through, you know, the rise in click and collect and just more retailers engaging in, you know, just proactively marketing or merchandising their website, the median retailer is up 229%. That's, that's just the, the September numbers. Annually, it's up over 60%. And so as we get deeper into the year, the average retailer is just really benefiting from having a web store. And I'm just super passionate about that because, you know, your average bike shop, you know, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a tough world that they're living in. And if they can pick up some additional gains without a whole bunch of extra work, take it. Why not? Why wouldn't you? The other thing I want to point out, and we talked a little bit about this as we were rehearsing too, is um, former guest of the podcast, Steve Dennis, has a Forbes article that I'll put the link into the show notes, and it's titled Late to the E-Commerce Party, What Marshalls at Home and Others Got Wrong. And the reason that we liked this article and thought that it could be an interesting point of discussion is, first of all, Steve Dennis says that 95% of all sales are happening in a brick and mortar retail. I've seen as high as 85 and 90, but he's saying 95% and this just came out last week. So I feel like that's fantastic, especially as we're going into the last two months of the year. But I also just wanted to to point out that he says in there that the consumer doesn't see a channel. And we've had other guests on the show say the same thing. We always talk about the consumer being the North Star that guides everything. And you have said it as well in the interview that we've done here. Basically, the channel, the consumer does not care about <laughs> all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. What they want is a seamless experience delivered through their smart device, usually their phone, right? And so ultimately, I want to encourage everybody as we're wrapping up here today, brands and retailers alike and specialty, to think about the consumer. And as you're participating in preparing your website as a resource to proactively drive store traffic, as Ryan is a specialist in, or whether you're preparing your store for a click and collect process or whatever it is that you're doing through your marketing, keep in mind that all we're doing is trying to get in front of the consumer at the optimal time so that we're ready when they're ready for us. And I feel like that's just such an important thing because as we talk about the retailer leaving their body as they're like, oh my gosh, how do I even start this? Really, all you have to think about is yourself as a consumer, or maybe it's, you know, your kid or your partner or whatever it is. Like, look at how they're researching and interfacing with brands and retailers. And 
when they're ready to make that you have that purchase, you have to be ready for them. And ultimately, I think that that's a really important takeaway. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, you know, the, the customer is going to discover the product any number of different ways, help join that process. And then when the customer is ready to buy, just be there for them. You know, and that 95% number that you mentioned, that is, that is, that, that plays out with our customers as well. And so if, if retailers are thinking, I need to turn my business upside down and become a, an online first business, that is totally not true. But it is important to note that growth rates of where are the sales closing at, there is a disparity. And growth rate of sales closing online is much higher than the growth rate of sales closing in the store. And so even if that's you know, less than 5% of your business right now, nurture it. Just like you're nurturing e-bikes or nurturing kind of these growth categories because that's what's going to fuel your growth. And as uh, just, I think the last point I'd like to get your take on as a, you know, our resident specialty bike expert with smart e-tailing is looking at a couple of ways that a retailer can, um, I think, match up to what the consumer is being trained to expect from some of these larger, well-funded even buy online, pick up in store and Best Buy or whatever. So let's talk a a look real quickly, like touch on the importance of payments and microfinancing. And I also think, you know, just anything else that you can provide in terms of like using your marketing to drive that foot traffic. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good way to also talk about ways that we're, we're stepping up how we're helping. So, you know, we talked about the things that a retailer can be doing on, on search and social in order to drive new traffic to your store. Then it's reduce the friction in the buying process, make it easy to shop on your website. Um, so things that we've done to make it easier for, for retailers and consumers is we've made big improvements in our search function because a lot of customers, about half of customers that come to an e-commerce enabled website use search instead of navigation. They know they want a park chain scrubber, you know, so they're going to, they're going to search for it. And so we made a big investment there and that's one of the things that's, that's yielded a sales increase. But then on the retailer side, like it, it used to be a barrier to say, well, great, now I need to find this other payment processor and connect it to my website. Well, we've built our own native payment gateway. So now a retailer just in five minutes can turn on a shopping cart and start accepting payments. And, and much of our development roadmap moving forward is going to be focused on what happens at the shopping cart. What are the payment options for a consumer? And, and if you're, you know, if you're one of our customers, when you get these notifications to be able to toggle on a new feature that makes it easier for a customer to buy, you know, please take advantage of that. That thing that, that I mentioned earlier that we're doing to take more control is, is of, of, of helping consume or helping uh, retailers is even though fundamentally it's easy to start competing for search, Local businesses just have a problem with scale. And so it's really hard for a small business to compete, especially for product-related searches. So that consumer looking for a chain scrubber, they might not go to the retailer's website first and then search. They're going to search in Google. And a small local retailer sometimes can't show up on page one when you're competing with Amazon and Google Shopping and REI. Um, so what we're doing is we're enhancing our Buy Local Now product, which is a it's a really cool product locator tool that has been integrated with brand websites for, I think, over six years now. But now we're going to be putting a consumer-facing website uh, into the market, and we're going to start advertising it for bike shops. 
So we're going to take 1% of all of our subscription revenue that comes in and we're going to roll it right back into advertising for local bike shops. So when a consumer searches for park chain tool, bike shops via buy local now are going to show up on page one. Consumers will be able to go right to that product. And then when they're ready to buy, they click buy local now. And this integrated data network of these retailers across the country who have connected to our app um, are going to show up as a purchasing option, whether you have a smart detailing website or not. And that's really important. You know, we have about uh, a thousand retailers who don't have a smart detailing website, but do report their data. We want to send you business as well. And then we want to earn your website business over time. But if you have a smart detailing website, the consumer is one click away from buying from you. And we just want to take a more active role in helping you grow your business. That's awesome. So that almost sounds like what REI has done in the past around taking a percentage of, I I wouldn't call it a slot fee, but maybe that's appropriate. That's a grocery term. But essentially you're taking, you know, kind of something from your entire customer base to build demand, which I think is super smart of you. Yeah. And the way we're looking at it is, so we're not increasing any of our prices. We're just, we're increasing our marketing budget is what the way we're looking at it. And thank you for pointing that out because a lot of my brands are like, oh crap, that means no. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the way we look at it is if we're not growing sales for our customers, then we're failing. And so by taking our marketing budget, and instead of trying to market our business to bike shops or brands, we're going to market for our customers to retailers then we're we're changing the value proposition, and and so that's I, I hope that people walk away understanding that 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 at Smart Detailing, like the, the bike shops are the center of our universe. We are huge advocates for the IBD channel, and we're just constantly searching for what more can we do to to push more volume through this channel, to, to so that it it disincentivizes brands to to feel like they have to go around bike shops to satisfy consumers' digital needs. Okay, that's awesome. Will you do me a favor also, um, would you mind putting a couple of your star retail websites or, or maybe a couple of success case studies that I can put into the show notes as well so people can quickly access that? Yeah, of course. Um, awesome. Okay. And obviously, there's so many more things that we can talk about here. The focus of this show is really making the most out of November and December. I'm going to have Ryan back on Channel Mastery in January to talk about what happened at Holiday in cycling and a bike, obviously, and then what you should be taking from that learning experience and putting into your 2020 business planning. And I know that obviously doing that in January is um, a little late, but at the same time, as you said, like kind of the cadence of the way that that this particular market works, like you hustle, 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 November, December, January is a teeny bit of a, a, I wouldn't say a lag or a rest stop, but then all of a sudden, like, high season happens, like and smacks you in the head. So <laughs> yeah, that's when we're going to report back in. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, if you're a retailer, you know, you're going to need to commit to your, your forecast probably, you know, by December. So just allocate one and a half to two and a half percent of your overall revenue to marketing. Don't worry about the tactics of how you're going to spend that marketing right now. Just make sure it's allocated and accounted for. And then in January and February, then build your marketing plan because your real opportunity starts to present itself in April. You've got time. So I really look forward to having that conversation. Yep. And we'll have another downloadable resource for you at that time too. Thank you so much, Ryan. I know we we covered a lot, but again, I think that you really drove the point home so well, you know, for both retailers and brands in specialty bike, 
You know, you have to think about November, December, what are you doing to make customers come in? Obviously, keep the money flowing. And then how do you make it a great experience when they're there to build a loyal consumer from that? And I think we hit on a lot of interesting parts of the ecosystem here today. I really appreciate you and all you do. And everybody, you should follow Ryan. He's super active on LinkedIn. He presents awesome content there with his spin on that that makes it very relevant to bike. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thanks for having me. You do great work and it's so much fun participating. All right. And we'll see you back in January for the situation room, as I like to say. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advanced notice of new Channel Mastery trainings and offerings like our brand new digital resource and membership that's opening up in Q3 2019. Thanks for listening and see you next week.